Hi, I'm Shane Fatek, and you're listening to the Modern Retail Podcast, where I speak with executives leading the reinvention of retail. We have a special episode today, one that I recorded in front of a live audience at our Amazon Strategies Conference in late January in New York. The conference brought together a host of retailers, tech companies, and ad agencies to discuss the future of selling and advertising on Amazon. My guest today is Andrea Blyden, U.S. General Manager at The Body Shop. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to night one of our Amazon Strategies event. My name is Shereen Batik. I run editorial products at Digiday Media, which is the parent company of Digiday, Glossy, and Modern Retail. We're so excited you're here. Thanks so much for being here. Um, so we wanted to kick off things with a live recording of the Modern Retail podcast. And we decided to ask Andrea Blyden. Andrea runs, uh, she's a U.S. general manager at The Body Shop. Yeah. Hi, Andrea. Hi, how are you? I'm good. We're so excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit about why Amazon is so central to the body shop strategy, aka why is it that you're here? Sure. So we have been in business uh, in the U.S. since 1989 and on Amazon for probably at least six, seven years about. Uh, I think for us, Amazon is a really nice complement to our .com, and I think this is for most brands. Uh, you know, on Amazon, people are super interested in finding the product that they're looking for. And it's much more about product than brand, where on your own .com, it's much more about the brand and then the discovery to product. So it, it really is like a very non-competitive space for our own e-commerce, so much so that when we were acquired by the parent company that owns the body shop now, Natura, they did a study on all the different markets across the globe to understand like where is the Amazon opportunity cannibalizing TBS.com or the bodyshop.com. Sorry, I'm using my own little internal acronyms. And the US market was the least cannibalized. So it, it really just shows that like the Amazon shopper is looking for the product that they want. Uh, they're less brand sensitive, much more product benefit, customer reviews, all the stuff that Amazon provides. But they're, they're less, they're caring less about the actual brand and much more about the product benefit. Okay. So it's really non-competitive. You're, you're really using it as an acquisition tool. Okay. I think you're, you're very unique. So we're going to go deeper into that, but let's start right at the beginning. The Body Shop's been around. For a really long time. Yeah, we've been 1989. Um, and you know, before, before everyone came into the room, we were talking a lot about how the body shop was kind of this like central idea to my childhood. I know that I used to gift, gift kind of moringa shower gels to all my, uh, my entire family from other, like my mom, my grandma, my sister-in-law. The interesting thing about the body shop is that you kind of were direct to consumer before direct to consumer became this big buzzword. You yeah. sold, Almost entirely, mostly in your own stores. Mm -hmm. E-commerce was a far off thing, especially in the early 90s. And in some ways, you've retained that except for this Amazon angle. How big of kind of the DTC model makes up your current business? And is that growing or is that shrinking? It's growing, for sure. Okay. Uh, the body shot, definitely. Uh, the way I see our channels is like each channel has a very specific meaning and uh moment for, for us, particularly in the U.S., we're one of the only markets that operates a really large wholesale business. Mm -hmm. And large is comparison because, you know, other brands are much bigger and much more retailers here. But for us, uh, the majority of our business exists in stores. 
And that will always be the case. Physical stores. Physical stores. Okay. So while a lot of brands are looking on about like closing the retail presence and you hear more and more about it every single day in the news, we're actually looking at expanding, which is really nice right now because a lot of landlords are looking for people who want to expand. So it's all about finding the right locations where there's traffic, where there's other things going on in a mall, like really... You know, lifestyle centers are so, so important. Airports, train stations, all of that where there's built-in traffic. But stores for us are the bread and butter of the business, the biggest portion of our business, and will always be. It's the best expression of the brand. Uh, so much of the body shop is about people. And that's where you meet our people. You know, we have over a thousand people working at the body shop and the majority of that is in the field. So about, you know, in 2017, um, you, you were sold by L'Oreal to Natura, who now owns you. And at the time, I think there was a lot of talk around this idea of turnaround. The body shop needs to have a turnaround because there was a lot going on in the industry that and we could start going through them bit by bit. The first one was there was an increased sort of focus on sustainable beauty, something that the body shop had already done since your founding days, but everyone else was hot on your tail. And the second was, can the body shop kind of focus on exactly who it is when there's all of these new brands coming up and beauty and wellness, it's a very hot area, and it's going to have a turnaround time. And you oversaw a lot of that turnaround in the last yeah. two and a half, three years. Was it a turnaround? Was the body shop in trouble or was something else going on? So it really depends on the market. So the body shop in the UK is on fire. So the body shop in the UK is outpacing all like high street traffic trends, over 250 stores in a really, really small, you know, country. Uh, it's, it's doing extremely, extremely well. In the US, we had kind of lost our way to be very honest. You know, we were, uh, this market was much more incorporated into the L'Oreal world than some of the other offices. We had tons of L'Oreal employees, myself included, uh, during the acquisition going back to L'Oreal. So it was, um, at the time a lot of us joined, we were more thinking about how to get the body shop into like L'Oreal systems hmm. and L'Oreal's way of functioning. And makeup was really hot. So what we, we were launching a lot of trend makeup, which is so not the body shop. And, um, when we got acquired by Natura, it was much more about going back to our roots, going back to who we are, going back to the vision of Anita Roddick, who a lot of people in the U.S. don't know. But in the U.K., she's an extremely well-known name. Uh, our female founder, who is so, she was so before her time and unfortunately passed shortly after the acquisition of the body shop to L'Oreal. But I mean, she, she was the one who created all these sustainable practices and some of them were just sheer coincidence. So she started the body shop because her husband wanted to go on a trip and he wanted to ride a horse from Argentina to New York City. And she had two kids oh, and they were, they were running a BNB and it was a lot of work. And so she was like, I, I have to make money a different way. And she had been making lotions and potions in her kitchen. And she decided that she was going to start selling those lotions and potions from her kitchen. And then as more and more shoppers came and bought products, she would have them bring back their packaging. Mm -hmm. And through that, it was one, saving her money 
But two, it created sustainable packaging for the body shop and refill. It also gave and people a reason to keep coming back and buy course, more things. I think they course. call it customer retention strategies now, but <laughs> so, existed before. You know. Yeah, exactly. And so some of those concepts are coming back to our stores now. So we just launched a brand new store. I was in London in October mm-hmm. on a Bond Street location, and we're rolling it out in the U.S. this year. But we're bringing back like refill stations and things that Anita Roddick had put into the body shop. So it's right now we're in a time where we're going much more back to our roots and our founder, the whole reason why she founded the body shop, much more to the activism side. We used to do a whole bunch of really, you know, loud campaigning mm-hmm. for causes mm-hmm. like against sex trafficking, a lot of causes that, you know, beauty brands would never talk about. And we're going back to all of that now. And I think that was the piece that was the most quiet during the L'Oreal years, Mm -hmm. particularly in the U.S., because the female founder story was not known here. So it was was easily lost. And so we're trying to bring all of that back in. And I think that's when you hear people talking about the, the transformation and the turnaround. It's that that's what it is. It's like going back to our home. What did that look for? Uh, what did that look for in a product from a product perspective? And let's focus on the U.S. because I think you're right. The body shop almost occupies a very different place in markets like the U.K. and markets in Asia and markets in India, which are very big and important markets for you. But coming back to the U.S., which is more competitive and yeah, has a lot definitely. more has a lot of people, um, definitely more so than the U.K. So. What did that look like in terms of rethinking what it is that you're selling? Because I think you can talk a little bit about, you know, B Corp and sustainability yeah. and going back to your roots. But when Anita Roddick founded this company, nobody else was doing it. And now everybody else is doing it. So how do you use that as a differentiation point? Yeah. So for us, from a product standpoint, what it's meant is really focusing back on products that like go back to our brand identity. So for a really long time, we were capitalizing on trends. And that's just not where the body shop is ever going to cut through. Give me an example. So, for example, we um, we have a store in on Astor Place, and it has like the hugest makeup wall. So you walk into this store, New York City, by the way, rent is not cheap, and you're using all this real estate right at the front of your store to tell all these makeup stories, and it's just. It's not the category that we went in. So we do some really good things in makeup, but we're not a trend makeup brand. And for the longest time, that's what we were trying to be. So makeup was booming. We were churning out all these different trends in makeup, but we were doing it on a much slower pace than makeup brands. So like Mac was always going to eat our lunch and there was just no getting around it. So now for us, it's going back to the products that like Anita created. So like tea tree oil, Mm -hmm. hand sourced, from Kenya, saved my community fair trade. People love it. It is like magic in a bottle. I'm pretty sure that's an Amazon customer review, actually. Um, But going back to the products that, you know, made the body shop special and different, you know, a lot of people don't know, hemp hand cream. So we were using the hemp ingredient like way before hemp was a thing. And our stores in France got raided when we launched hemp hand cream <laughs> because we were using hemp. And so there's there's so many of those products and those stories behind the products. Uh, our, our body butters. Mm-hmm. So our body butters are made with shea butter from Ghana. And um, it's one of our biggest community fair trade partnerships. So we uh, 
launched a, a new shea butter last year, a 100% shea butter that I love. But, you know, all of our body butters contain some portion of shea butter. And this coalition, when it started by Anita Roddick, I think it was 49 ladies, and now it's over 250. And these women who uh, didn't have access to employment were able to create shea butter for the body shop. And these women also had no access to the chief's tent. So the chief's tent, when you used to come to this village, was filled with all men. And men were the income earners in this community in Ghana. And now the chief's tent is all women. So in order to get into the village, you have to go to the chief's tent. Like, it's like your rite of passage. And I mean, how crazy is, is it that you can say you work for a brand that has given a whole bunch of women all over the world access to employment that they wouldn't have otherwise? So it was bringing these stories kind of back into the forefront, yeah. kind of, never mind the lipstick and the makeup, which we're never going to sort of win if we compete on. Let's go back to the basics. But then to my second question, yes, you couldn't compete really, or, and why would you with the Max and the, again, you couldn't get in front of the makeup trends and you have all this sort of heritage to fall back on. But then all these other brands had started at the same time and you had a bunch of wellness brands and cream brands and makeup brands were trying to get into sort of wellness and body creams and shea butters yeah. and all of that. How did sort of your competitive kind of lens shift and what did you do to remind people that we know buy it from us and don't buy it from the others? Yeah. So in 2017, which was the year of the acquisition, we started campaigning again. So this is something that is very, very unique to the body shop. So tell so, people about sort of the Greenpeace, Save the Whales kind I mean, of era. You, you name it, we've done it. So right. Anita, uh, way back in the day, when Mattel and Barbie had become super popular, I'm, I'm telling my favorite one about Ruby, uh, she decided that she hated like this BS image of a woman's body and how unrealistic it was. So she created this doll called Ruby. It was a very voluptuous lady that she put in her windows. And her lawyer's like, you will get sued. And she just didn't give a shit. And pretty sure she got sued. Uh, so she just, she was this really um, badass woman and she did not care. So she went to you know countries in the Middle East and set up franchise partnerships when before, way before women could drive and before women had a seat at any sort of business table. She's the one who built all of that. And so for us, the body shop has never been like silent about issues in the world. And in 2017, we launched a Forever Against Animal Testing campaign. So really speaking to you know, the cruelty-free piece. And, you know, we've always been forever against animal testing and we don't sell in China and we're advocating for laws to change in China and hopefully very, very close on the, the animal testing side. But Anita, like, really believed that the body shop should set itself, uh, like, separate itself from the competition mm -hmm. by standing up for issues that no other beauty brand would talk about. And so... We are continuing on that journey. Mm -hmm. So 2017 and 2018 were all about forever against animal testing. And we collected over 8 million signatures and took them to the UN. And we're starting to see changes in policies now. And in Canada, there's been lots of changes in policies. So it's been very, very exciting time. But this year, we're going back to like a little bit more, I would say, controversial stuff. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, more in the neat erotic vein than even forever against animal testing. And this is like really where if when I talk to our head of like global sustainability, he always says to me, go where your competitors won't. And it's a direct quote from Anita. And he worked with Anita when she was still uh, alive and working at the body shop. And it's a really interesting lens as a GM to put up as you're like planning initiatives, go where your competitors won't. So Thanks for a fun job. Yeah, it, 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 keeps, it keeps you on your toes. So you've got this differentiating sort of mandate, which rooted in your history. Um, your stores are a huge part of your success. Let's talk about e-commerce. Um, I think you used to be sort of in e-commerce at the body shop before this current role, right? Well, I'm still in e-commerce now. Who isn't? We're all in e-commerce. I'm in e-commerce. Yeah, um, but I, I, I worked many, many years in e-com and digital marketing. So when it comes to kind of selling the products of the body shop online, um, what have you found to be the biggest challenges? And kind of what have you found, again, that's worked for you that is a little bit different? Maybe something that you've tried, something a little experimental. Okay. So in e-com, I would say that the way we try to bring a lot of what I just told you about to life is really through video. It's, it's the only way that you get like a sense of the communities and the women who are making your shea butter. You can't experience it any other way. And while I would say the, the best experience is one to go there or two to go to our store and hear about these stories in e-commerce, it's really for us. Uh, video has become more and more important, mm-hmm. but also capitalizing on like the trend of, you know, conscious consumerism, which is so important right now. I mean, more then 75% of shoppers care about a brand's values in addition to the product that they're buying. So telling all those stories for us in e-commerce isn't something we always did, and mm. it's something that we're trying to do more and more and more. Uh, so lots also, of content. Lots of content, but okay. also creating personalized experiences. So something we do really well in stores is, you know, you walk in and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach at all. It cannot be because that will drive consumers straight out of your store. Uh, so our our customer consultants have to be really personal in how they talk to you. It's all about you, what you need. What you need is going to be different than what I need. And so it's very much about the customer. And in e-commerce, we're building a new website that focuses a lot on personalization okay. and really trying to take that personalized experience that you get in stores and bringing it to the web. Um, which then takes me to Amazon. All the stuff you just talked about, or a lot of the stuff, not all of it. And you talked about that differentiates you when people come to thebodyshop.com. You cannot do on Amazon because it is not your site. It is somebody else's site that you are renting space on. We talked a little bit about this right at the beginning, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, the decision to sell on Amazon. We know, and I know you have sort of an Amazon store. You're sort of there in a very different way than a lot of other brands are. Was there any trepidation? Was there any sort of thing saying, you know, why we have a really, you know, healthy and we'll keep growing kind of store business. We want people to come to our own site. And, you know, you don't sell in, you don't sell in CVS. You don't sell in Walgreens. Why sell to somebody else? Why sell through somebody else? Yeah. So we, we also sell at Ulta. So. Yes. Alta is like the, and we sell on Alta.com, but Alta for me, because of their retail store presence, I mean, they have a huge brick and mortar business. And, uh, for, for Amazon, uh, you know, it wasn't, you have to go where consumers are. So 
I think that this is the piece that I always find really baffling. So I was walking around our DC in holiday and the US and Canada share a DC and I'm going to make a little slam on my Canada team, but I already told them. Uh, I didn't tell them I was going to do it on this this podcast. (laughs) But I was looking at a bag uh, that we were selling on Black Friday, and it was a Canadian tote, and it had a bounce-back card. And I'm an online shopper. I'm in the online DC, and the bounce-back card was for stores, only stores. And the Canadian store business is ginormous. The online business is much smaller. Mm -hmm. But I just found it so bizarre. Like people don't switch channels that often. And on all the beauty businesses I've worked on, the the multi-channel shopper is really, really tiny. So you're you're very channel specific as a shopper. Mm -hmm. A store shopper for sure will use online to like do research, content, all of that, you know, consume things on their own time, but they're not usually jumping channels, like less than 10%. Wait, so all this stuff about omni-channel has just been a lie yeah. that everyone's been no. telling? I mean, like you you have to do omni-channel anyway. marketing, but people aren't switching but channels. But they're not buying omni-channel. And I think that when uh, omni-channels first started being a, a sure. discussion, I was sitting there thinking about my purchasing habits. And I was like, I will go through such extremes sometimes to just make sure that it gets delivered to my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes the extreme is insane t- versus walking a few blocks. Okay, now I'm curious. What did you do? Oh, I've done like $25 shipping overnight <gasps> versus walking a couple. You never do $25 shipping. No, I, I you mean, add in a scarf and get free shipping. Not, not for overnight <laughs> delivery, you can. So I, I, it's just, it shows like people don't really bounce in and out of channels. Right. And they might consume content in and out of channels, but they don't really change shopping behaviors that often. And so that's why I think there's a place for Ulta, there's a place for Amazon, there's a place for thebodyshop.com, and there's a place for our retail stores. And I think as long as you tell your brand story in really similar ways, that it's all great for mm-hmm. customer acquisition and awareness. So um, uh, not everybody might know sort of your presence on, on Amazon, what it looks like, and you know, you've... Uh, so tell us a little bit about sort of what it looks like and how you've sought to make sure that the Body Shop brand is at least sort of very present there. Yeah. Not, it doesn't just sort of fade into this background. Yeah. So what have you done? So we uh, launched our own like brand page where we talk all about, you know, forever against animal testing. We're 100% vegetarian. More than 50% of our products are vegan and our community fair trade ingredients. So it was super important for us to tell the story, like our brand values. And they're pretty high up, above the fold, uh, very, very evident for consumers. And then through the our, our product detail pages, in all the A plus content, you'll you'll read tons and tons of stuff about the stories I told you about the body shop values. So every single place we can, we try to hit home on who the body shop is as a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that we do that uh, I don't know how many brands play around with like what days that they promote products on Amazon, what days they buy AMG and all of that. But what we discovered is, you know, the the days that we can win on Amazon are like things like Earth Day, different kinds of holidays that mean more to potentially the consu- uh, the conscious consumer. So we really try to play up different kinds of holiday moments mm-hmm. because, you know, when we buy AMG content on in the middle of Christmas, 
it, it really doesn't perform for, for us as much as those more unique moments. Is spending money on AMS, like Amazon advertising, actually, um, a, become a bigger part of your overall kind of marketing strategy or your marketing spend and what's worked, what hasn't, um, how important, because you know, I hear this from a lot of people that unless you're spending money on Amazon advertising, there's a point being on Amazon because yeah. the thing works Thing works with the, like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, definitely yeah. does. Okay. So we spend a lot on AMS mm-hmm. and search for us is something that really, really performs on Amazon. And actually generic search really does so well on Amazon. Our generic search campaigns on Amazon do better than our Google generic okay. search campaign. So for, cause it's all about the product. So things mm-hmm. like body lotion where we would never invest really heavy, heavily on Google search because we would go poor. Um, if you, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude about it, but like that would be a really expensive brand, uh, generic search term to own. Sure. And on Amazon, those are the types of words that you can really, really win in and you can really acquire new customers with, especially if you have the right customer views, the right A plus content, it works. And then, as you spend more and more and get more and more visitors to your sure. your pages, you show up naturally. You go up and up and up. But we've also done, uh, you know, we're we're pretty open to testing, and Amazon's marketing model obviously always evolves, mm-hmm. and they're always trying new things. So we've done uh, stuff on AMG. We're doing a test this year with DSP, which is their display. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just make sure that we're not competing against ourselves. So if they're buying display ads, I want to make sure it's not where we're buying display ads for our own .com. Mm-hmm. But we're pretty open and flexible to testing. Uh, it's a little bit harder because some of the tests are significantly more expensive. What do you mean? So, you know, buying search terms isn't nearly as expensive as buying, you know, the homepage of Amazon for a day. Sure. Or, you know, display oh, ads. Okay. And so the product, like yeah, among the products. Yeah. Themselves. But for search, we, um, that's where we spend the majority of our funds. And we okay. really spend a lot of time like looking at what's working and optimizing and being pretty nimble. Aren't you worried about Amazon's own private label body lotion? You know what? It has like three of them. I, I feel it like has a 365 one that's also vegan. It's yeah. also cruelty free. It has a herbal mint scent. It's not as nice as yours, but it exists. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely a valid point. No, it does not worry me now. Okay, I'm not going to say that in the next four years. I, I don't know why I picked four. It could have been <laughs> what five. Okay, uh, it it could be something that grows. Right now and ever since Amazon has launched their own skincare. Our, our business has not been impacted. I think there's also something that you know the body shop specializes in skincare. Sure. That, that helps too. Of course. It's a better um, product. Um, and it's a, but it's also a higher price point because it's a better product. Yeah. But you also um, have the brand values. Sure. You have the expertise. You have a lot of other things that I don't think Amazon's private label. Yeah. Will, will have. That makes sense. We, we actually, you know, we'd, done, we'd run uh, a research survey of about 240 retailers at the Mon Retail panel. And it was interesting, but it was like, you know, some 90 some percent of the ones who sold on Amazon, like they, there was no question. Yes, it's helping their businesses and their bottom lines. And then it, you sort of went to these questions that were a little hairier, like, do you trust Amazon as a partner? Do you, you know, it was the stuff that you can't really put a number on. And those numbers just plummet. It's like, no, we don't really trust it. But also, what choice do we have? Like, our sales are up. Our it's better for our business. Yeah. It 
And again, right now it works for us, which is, sounds like what is, it is what you're experiencing. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that you're moving Amazon shoppers off Amazon that much. I really don't. So I think if you want to capitalize on the fact that over 30% of Americans are using Amazon, you got to go there. And I think as long as you make sure we don't offer every single product that we sell in our stores on our .com, not everything's on Amazon. So it's select Mm -hmm. products. We really focused on our best products and our most popular products. And we kind of keep it small and you know, I'm using hand motions, but like lean. (laughs) She's making hand motions. Um, This is for the listeners who will listen to this eventually. Uh, Last thing, I was looking up your your parent company's kind of quarterly results, um, just for fun, and there were good results. And uh, one of the things that it said was, you know, a lot of the growth at the body shop driven by something that they called at home. And I didn't know what that meant. And I know that at home apparently yeah. is a really big business in the UK. Um, so I'm just curious if you can tell us a little bit about it. And because I think a lot of people don't understand that it's part of your business model globally. Sure. So we have a direct selling business in the UK and Australia that is extremely, extremely successful. Uh, I was just telling Alexandra on my team that uh, one of the women in the UK, I mean, like she cleaned up shop through her at-home business. So this is the Tupperware model brought to the body It it is, but it's a much more modern, direct selling. I I think some of the ladies definitely do Tupperware parties (laughs) 100%, but a lot of them actually use Facebook Live and they do all of their selling through Facebook Live. And it's just really different because you have some pretty like tenured, seasoned ladies that are are selling in their Tupperware parties at home, like literally at home. (laughs) And then you have a whole bunch of 25-year-olds at computers that are running at-home businesses through Facebook Live. And it's a pyramid scheme, so you build wide and you build deep and you build your network every which way. And that's a huge growth driver. it, It is a huge growth driver in the UK. And it's a business that we used to have in 2003, right before the L'Oreal acquisition. And we had it for a few years, but the direct selling model was not like an integral model for the L'Oreal world. So they closed it down during the L'Oreal ownership. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's a massive business for Natura. So Natura has 1.8 million consultants in South America. And I mean, some of these consultants deliver products like in a canoe on the Amazon. <laughs> it is crazy. But on the Amazon. <laughs> but I mean, it's really insane that they 1.8 million consultants. So it's, you know, and there are companies that are doing so well with it in the U.S. that it is 100% an opportunity and we might be looking at it. We might not. We'll um, find out. Yeah. You'll probably read about it on our site. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the inside okay. scoop. It's fine. You have to subscribe yeah. first. Uh, Andrea, thank you so much. That was thank great. And that's all for today's episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Pierre Bienname, who also made our amazing theme music. If you like the show, please head to your iTunes store, search for a show, Modern Retail Podcast, leave us a review. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. 